This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Hey, we had to bring in chairs. That's pretty cool. (laughs) I love what God is doing in the life of C3, and I love spending Easter with you. John chapter 20, verse 1, the story is unfolding. The Bible says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Hold on. You already know. You already know the rest of the story. Like, you, you get it. You're familiar with it. Like, there's nobody here in just a few moments when I talk about the tomb being, being empty. There's nobody in the room that's going to go, uh-uh. You for real? Like, nobody's doing that. And one of the unique things about Easter is it's so easy to miss it. If you're a Christ follower, you grew up in church, you know the story, and you're, you're here today. It's Easter, but like, I don't have a new ending for the Easter story. It's the same every year. And so if you're a Christ follower, you might be thinking, okay, this is good stuff, but I already know it. I, I, hope, I hope the new people get something out of this. And then if you're, if you're not a Christ follower... Maybe you've not taken that step in your life, and maybe you're not sure what you believe about Jesus or the like a dead person coming back to life. Come on. I mean, but but you're here. Somebody invited you, and listen, we're thrilled you're here, but but you're thinking, what what are these freaks doing? Like the way they were just singing, and apparently, apparently a lot of people had questions. They were raising their hand, and nobody called on them. Like, what's happening in this room? It's so easy to miss it. So what's the point of it all? If you're a Christ follower, you already know the story. It's the same every single year. So why are you here? And if you're you're not a Christ follower, a dead person coming back to life, somebody invited you and you thought, well, maybe, maybe it's helpful. I mean, I've heard church can help some people, but I'm I'm really not a church person. But why why do we do this? Why, Why is this why is this the most attended? Sunday of the year, and we already know the story. Why? What's the point of all this? Well, John actually tells us at the end of chapter 20 the point. He says, but these are written, talking about the scriptures, that you, no matter who you are, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Apparently, there is a unique level of living, an enhanced, perhaps some would say elevated level of living that's available. Easter is not just about heaven after this life and and we don't go to hell and everything's good in heaven. There's something about Easter and the resurrection that can make your life better, my life better today but it's, it's Easter. Easter is kind of like leg day at the gym. Nobody likes leg day. Nobody likes leg day. Like when I go to the gym, when I go to the gym, I hadn't been to the gym since COVID started, but I got a membership. 
I don't know why. Why do we still have the members? But nobody, I, I, I've met a couple of people this morning that came out and was like, I like leg day. You're a freak because nobody likes leg day. Leg day is one of those things you kind of try to avoid. Maybe you pretend you don't even have legs. Nobody wants to do leg day. Why are we bothering with that? But a couple times a year, because you've heard it's good for you and you've heard it can help your whole body, that you decide, okay, I need to do leg day today. And maybe you read somewhere that when you do leg day, this is true, if the article I read was true, when you do leg day, from using those muscles, it pushes more testosterone into your bodies. And so leg day, ladies, is a great thing for, for you to dive into. Leg day is helpful, and we, we kind of know it, but we hate it, but we do it a couple times a year. And maybe you go to the gym, and, and you've decided, I'm doing leg day today, and why, why, why do the gyms all put the leg press, that thing where... Your butt's by the floor and you're pushing with your legs. You're pushing the weight up and there are tons of 45-pound weights. We call them plates on the sides. Why do they put that in the middle of the gym where everybody can watch you? Because you're thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good at this because I don't do it very often. And you go to the gym and you see the leg press and there's like five or six 45s on each side. And you're thinking, wow, maybe he went to get some water, but that dude's huge. And, and then she walks up. She can barely see over the machine, but she sits down and she presses and she pounds out the weights. And then, and then when she's done, she knows you're waiting. And, and something about COVID, wearing the mask, we've all learned to kind of communicate with our eyes a little bit. So she looks at you like, and what she's saying is, you want me to leave these on? And then you look back at her because, and you're like... But she's strong, and so she takes those plates off and slams them on the rack, and she's making so much noise when she's doing it. Everybody knows you can't do that much. Everybody knows you're a wiener. Like, it's, it's, it's leg day, and you can't do what she does, but you get on there, and you try. And the worst thing about leg day is the next day. Because you try to walk, and what's worse than trying to walk is that moment on the next day, it's unavoidable, it's going to happen you got to sit down on the toilet. And you're thinking about having those, those bars put in your bathroom to hold on to as you sit down because you do leg day a couple times a year and you just deal with it. Hey, for some of you, Easter's leg day. The church thing's a couple times a year because somebody told you it can be helpful and it, it might help your life and you're wondering, hey, it couldn't hurt. I mean, it's less than an hour. I'm going to give them my time and you come, but you, you, you feel a little bit insecure because you feel like you're not that good at it because you don't do it very often. And you feel like a little bit insecure because maybe people are looking at me because I don't show up that often. And I'm hoping it's going to be helpful. But I came last Easter. And here, here's the thing about leg day. When I do legs, the next day I look at my legs, nothing changed. And you thought, I've done the church thing a couple times a year and nothing changes. Like, Maybe it's helpful, but I'm just not sure. And the whole, the whole idea of somebody coming back to life, the first memory I have of somebody that I knew passing away was my grandfather. I was a little over three years old, and 
he owned a business, a commercial painting business. They painted schools and government buildings and from the fumes and what used to be in the paint. He, he got lung cancer pretty severely and, I, and he was dying. And I, I remember we went to my grandparents' home and I, I ran back into the bedroom where he was and he was laying in a, a hospital-looking bed with an oxygen mask on and he couldn't talk to me. That day I saw the ambulance come and take him and I never saw him again. And I was three, but I never expected to. Because when people die, they stay dead. My mom passed away in December. I went to Texas to do the funeral and to be with my family. And we went to the graveside. And I, I wasn't sure what to expect because, man, I love my dad. And they've been together over 60 years. And I knew he was hurting. And I couldn't, I couldn't do a thing. To, I mean, some, some things there's just... There's not a, not a verse for that just makes everything better. And the one thing I knew that was not going to happen was my mom was not coming back. When people die, they stay dead. And if you have a hard time believing in a resurrection, you're just like the closest friends of Jesus. Because on Friday night... They saw him crucified. They saw him buried in a tomb. And on Friday night, they were hiding in a room because they came for the leader. They came for Jesus. They're probably coming for us next. They were terrified. On Saturday, they're still hiding. Sunday morning, they're still hiding. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. Why was she going to the tomb Sunday morning? Well, Thursday night, there was a meal. Jesus was eating with some of his closest friends. And then all of a sudden, after that meal, he's arrested. Friday morning, there's a trial. Friday night, he's dead. And because it's the Passover festival, they've got to bury the body quickly, according to Jewish religious tradition. And so Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea lead to them to this tomb that Joseph of Arimathea has secured for Jesus and they, they bury him, but they, they didn't have time to really properly prepare the body. And so very quickly they get him in there and the stone's put in place, it's sealed up. And Mary and, and Mark, the Gospel of Mark tells us there were some other women with her are taking spices to properly prepare the body and properly do what wasn't done because of the rush. So they're, they're taking these spices, the original Spice Girls, they're taking these spices and they're gonna take care of Jesus they're processing. Some of the Gospels tell us on the way, like, what are we going to do about the huge stone that's in the way? But she gets there, and the stone has been removed. Now, what's interesting about the first Easter? Nobody, nobody was standing outside the tomb. The, the closest followers, the disciples who'd heard Jesus' teachings and saw the miracles, nobody was standing outside the tomb going, ten. Nine, eight, seven, cue the sun, six, five, like nobody's doing that. Because when people die, they stay dead. Luke tells us that they actually went inside the tomb and saw the, the grave clothes laying there. Mary's disturbed and so she runs back to tell everybody else, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. I, 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 love this, I love this. Because 
John is written by John. And so rather than saying uh, that, that she came running to Simon Peter and, and to me, he, he says, hey, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. I don't know why he calls it, that's, that's just funny. And they said, here's what, they, I don't know who they is, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. The people closest to the resurrection, I mean, closest to Jesus, did not think a resurrection had taken place. They did not think a miracle had happened. They thought somebody stole the body. So if you're here today and you wrestle with the whole idea of a resurrection, you're in good company. Because the people closest to him thought the same way. They have taken him, and we don't know who did it, but he's gone. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Doesn't make any sense. He's gone. Who, who moved the stone? What's happened to him? These women were so emphatic that Peter and John had to go see for themselves. And so Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen laying, lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. That's not going to surprise you that as a pastor, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe the Holy Spirit of God inspired the Word of God, wrote it through human authors using their personality, but I, I believe it is 100% the Word of God protected and preserved for you and me to show us how to live this thing called life that was God's idea, God created life. And so he gives us this manual on, hey, here's the best way to, to, to experience life. Here's the best way to live life. It doesn't surprise you that I believe the Bible is not the Word of God. You may not believe that. And if you don't believe that, I want you to know you're welcome here. But, but I do believe that. And one of the reasons, there are many, but one of the reasons I believe it is because it's fascinating to me. The writers of the New Testament actually document the skepticism of those that were closest to Jesus. They have no problem with reality and truth. Hey, this is how we felt. Peter, this is the guy, Peter, that's going to preach the very first sermon where the church is launched. Peter, who would end up giving his life, his life would be taken because of his faith in Jesus that he was the Messiah. In this moment, he went away wondering. They'd given up all hope. Now think about his closest followers. They, they left everything to follow Jesus. They left their businesses. They left their families. They left whatever income they have. And they've given three years. He is the Savior. He's the Messiah. This is the one. And then he dies. And there's no more dream and there's no more movements because saviors don't die. The Son of God doesn't die. We must have been wrong. And their lives are turned upside down because of everything they walked away from. To, to believe in this guy and now he's dead. Verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, the day they found the tomb empty, that day, the first day of the week, Mary went to the tomb, stones rolled away, it's empty. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples, those closest to Jesus, were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. They're, they're terrified. They're hiding. The morning the empty tomb is discovered, that same evening, nobody's running through the street screaming about a resurrection, tossing out Easter eggs. There's no celebration. 
Nobody's testifying to the miraculous. They are hiding. They've been hiding since Friday. And in the middle of them being in the room, and they're hiding because they're afraid, the Bible says that Jesus shows up in that room. Do you ever wonder about things when you read the Bible? I mean, I just, I kind of picture things in my mind. And How do you think they reacted? I think they reacted the same way we'd react if somebody we knew had died and all of a sudden they come walking through those doors. Like every door that has a red exit sign above it is popping open, busting open. Like we're out of here. Somebody comes back from the dead. It, it, it's a little bit freaky and I love, I love the way the Bible puts it. Luke 24 verse 37. They were startled and frightened. I think it was way more than that. I think they lost their freaking junk. I mean, somebody that was dead has walked into the room thinking they saw a ghost and he said to them, Jesus is about to speak. The first time they're going to hear from him after he rose from the dead. In fact, Jesus would show himself over the next few days to over 500 people that saw him after he was crucified and buried. But the first words he's going to speak, and I picture him saying what he's about to say with a smile on his face. Because how much love, how much love does someone have to have to die for you? This, 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 this Jesus is full of love for these people. And he says, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Parents, have your kids ever said to you, wait, what are we doing? And you have to say, I told you. I've told you, but, but they don't listen. Just like we don't listen, just like the disciples didn't listen. Jesus is like, look, this is what I told you while I was still with you, but you weren't listening to me. You were worried about who's gonna be second in command or who else could walk on water or that whole water to wine thing, who else can pull that off? I, I mean, you, you were figuring out your position and your place. You were thinking about you. It wasn't that I didn't tell you, I told you, but you weren't listening. This is what I told you when I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day and, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in, the name, in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance. It's a church word. It's, it, it means there's something so life and legacy changing about the resurrection that after this, people are going to be told, hey, he was the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And we, we all... Nate quoted that verse in Isaiah earlier about how we've all gone astray. We all pursue our own way. And so what it means is we're going this direction in life, doing the best we can. And repentance is a military term. It literally means a 180 degree turn. Okay, I, I was going that way, but I want to pursue God because he's pursuing me. And I realize he's God and I am not. He's right. And I'm not right all the time. And so I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to turn as best I know how from the direction I'm heading, the thinking that I have, everything I'm basing my life on, and I'm going to turn to God and I'm going to give my life to him and I'm going to try to pursue him. And then, then Jesus makes one statement. And it's the reason you're here today. This one statement is the reason that people will gather all over the globe today. It's this statement. More people will gather for Easter than anything else that ever happens in the world. It's this statement. In verse 48, Jesus says, you are witnesses of these things. He's saying, you know. 
You were there. They had a front row seat to the life of Jesus, his life, his teachings, his miracles. The greatest man in history had no servants, but they called him master. The greatest man in history had no degree, but they called him teacher. The greatest man in history had no medicines, but they called him healer. He had no army, but kings feared him. He never won a battle, and yet he conquered the world. But in the darkest moment, all that he'd done, all of his teachings, all of the miracles, it wasn't enough. Because Friday night when he died, the dream was over. There was no movement. There was no church. It was done. It was, it was the resurrection. And the fact that they witnessed a risen Savior. They saw him and talked to them, him. It was the resurrection that ignited their faith. It was the resurrection in which the church was born. The resurrection created a movement that would be unleashed. It was the resurrection because the resurrection changes everything. It's the resurrection that gives us hope. It's the resurrection that instills faith. It's the resurrection that births belief. It's the resurrection that creates this spiritual life. The parables were good. And the miracles seemed magical. Jesus' ability to speak profoundly, but in such a simple way that everybody could understand it. Those things amazed them, but they did not change them. Think about it. No resurrection, no Bible. Because Jesus makes too many claims about being the Messiah. And if he stays dead, that's not true. No resurrection, nobody's trying to forgive anybody else because that was Jesus' idea first and he's the one that taught how to do that and if there's no resurrection, there's, there's no forgiveness. There's no resurrection, there's no one telling the story of the good Samaritan so we know how to treat our neighbor. If there's no resurrection, none of it matters anymore. It, it was the resurrection that revealed who God is and how much he, he truly loves each and every one of us. It's, it's the resurrection that changed everything. Think about it. Even James, the half-brother of Jesus, came to the party late. James did not believe Jesus was the Son of God until the resurrection. Think about it. What would it take for your brother to convince you that he's the Son of God? Like, that's more than a few card tricks. But James sees the resurrected Jesus, and he's like, I'm in. You're, you're the Son of God. It wasn't anything else. Nothing else convinced James. It was the resurrection. And we're not here today because of some folklore passed down through generations. We're not here today because an ancient book has some documents about something that happened historically. We're here today because the witnesses that saw Jesus after he got up, after he'd been crucified and buried three days later, the people who were hiding in a room terrified all of a sudden flooded the streets with a message that Jesus is the Messiah. What changed? The resurrection. It's the entire reason we're here, that Jesus is in fact the Son of God. See, the resurrection, it reset the calendar. You know this, time is now measured based on an event, B.C. and A.D., the resurrection reset our holidays, the two biggest holidays of the year, Christmas and Easter. Christmas, we're not supposed to call it Christmas. Seasons, greetings. We're not, but we all know it's Christmas. Come on. We all know. Christmas and Easter, no resurrection, no Christmas, no Easter, because it doesn't matter. The resurrection reset love. We now know a love that is deeper than a phrase or a feeling. 
The resurrection reset hope. It made hope more than just wishful thinking. Hope is a noun now. The resurrection reset forgiveness and taught us a higher and healthier way to live that would take the power of God inside us to be able to do because it's the hardest thing to do to forgive somebody, but it is the most essential thing to do to have a healthy and happy life to forgive somebody. Without the resurrection, that doesn't happen. The resurrection reset freedom. The resurrection reset life. And today, today the resurrection can reset your life because of the witnesses. So I, I don't know where you've been before, but at C3, hey, I want you to know you've not entered a courtroom. There's no judge's chamber and nobody has a gavel. You are loved here. You are welcomed here. No matter what your background looks like, no matter what, what's taken place in your life, the things that you're the most ashamed of, guess what? We all mess up. You, you've not come into a courtroom. You've come into a hospital where there's a loving God who wants to engage every single person and know you in a personal way and heal what's broken inside you and give you a hope and a freedom like you've never known. You are intensely valuable to a holy God that loves you so much and values you so much, he gave his son to die for you. It's the resurrection. It can reset your life. Would you pray with me this morning? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're here today because it's leg day. And you've never really seen much change because you know about God, but you don't know God. And today, your, your life, who you are, your future can be reset because Jesus got up because of his deep love for you. And this morning, perhaps there's something inside you that, that you know. It's a voice that sinks deeper than my voice. My, my voice hits your ears, but there, there's a voice touching your soul. You know that you need to invite Jesus to come into your life to forgive your sin. You need the Spirit of God living inside you, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Inside you, you, you know this is the step you need to take. It's, it's the reset, and it's the only one that works. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life today, forgive your sin, live inside you, give you a hope and a future, direct your path, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it just in your heart in the quietness of this moment. But you just pray this prayer. Dear God, I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin. And help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name.
Hey, thank you for joining us today at C3 Online. And if you just prayed that prayer with me and you invited Jesus to come to your life, I'd love for you to shoot me a text. Just text me your first name at 407-487-8311. I'd love to know that because I'll get a list of the names and I would love to be able to pray for you by name this week. So shoot me the text. And then, hey, listen, if you're in Central Florida, join us next Sunday. It's going to be awesome and it wouldn't be the same without you. God bless you. Have a great week.